Hello and welcome along to Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast, a podcast in English exclusively dedicated to the Commonwealth Libertadores, the greatest competition in South American club football. And on the podcast today, and I should say, this is pod number 50 with myself, David Windsor, and Mr. Oliver James Wilson. We started this pod in summer, or let's say Northern Hemisphere summer 2019. Ollie, and we find ourselves October 2021. The podcast has survived the pandemic. It's survived us recording on different continents, in person, remotely, uh, lots of other stuff. And, and we've made it to pod number 50. We talked about um, the final, which has been teed up by the conclusion of the two semifinals. It's an all-Brazilian final, as we fully expected it to be. Two semifinals were really interesting. We picked them apart. We previewed the final. Pod number 50, Mr. Wilson. Wasn't a bad one. Yeah, but nothing changes on this podcast because we're just previewing finalists and finalists that we've we've done this. We we know these two teams. <laughs> we we called it all. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. I mean, I kind of have, I guess. Uh, but look, this is just history continuing to repeat itself. This is what we're going to have for the next decade in South American football. It's just going to be this sort of thing over and over. But look, this was, I didn't feel bad about the All-Brazilian final, as you mentioned. I don't feel bad about what we've just discussed. And I am looking forward to the final more than I thought I would. Uh, it's it's interesting. I can't remember the last time we had two Brazilian finalists in the couple of Dodores. But we've also, unfortunately, if you really want to highlight the dominance, I know I like to sneak in a little bit of Sudamericana discussion into this. But we have an all-Brazilian Sudamericana final as well. And that's the first time that's ever happened in that comp- uh, competition's history. This is therefore the first time ever that the two major trophies on the continental stage in South America are both all-Brazilian affairs, which everything we say on this podcast ends up coming true. Every key thing that we say, <laughs> David Windsor, ends up coming true. I kind of think that we just know South American football really well. Okay, well then let me say this. Next year, back a Brazilian side to win the Sudamericana and back a Brazilian side to win the Libertadores. I'll check out the odds when they become available. And uh, yeah, just have that bet indefinitely and just keep backing it over the next decade and you're going to end up so up. Unfortunately, David Windsor does go on a tirade against certain individuals at Bet365 that are faceless, nameless individuals that he demands should be receiving their P45. So we will not be getting any sort of betting sponsorship from Bet365, I imagine, in the next 12 to 18 months or so. Uh, no, but we might pick up one of their rivals. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, and the odds boost at William Hill is great. So you know, yeah, I've always respected them as a company too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the pod. Ronnie's cross is a brilliant one, and that might just be the winner. An astonishing conclusion. It is the substitute Breno Lopez who's come up with the big moment. Henrique tentou o lance individual, arrumou pro Arrascaeta, bateu Gabriel! Gol! Gabriel com Pinola Júnior, Gabriel com Pinola, olha o Gabigol, empata! Minera won, Palmeiras won. Mr. Wilson, you fancied Palmeiras from the start of the competition. You fancied them to squeak through. They did. <laughs> you can see the smirk getting ever wider on... I know Wilson, South American right? football. Like, that's... Yeah. 
Look, to my detriment. If Eduardo Vargas could finish, Ollie, then you wouldn't be smoking because Atletico Monero would be through. Yeah, if they had Diego Costa up front, you know, it would have made life so much better for them. <laughs> I mean, they opened the scoring after after 52 minutes. Vargas scored three goals this tournament, Ollie, all three with his head, interestingly, because he's mm. not a particularly tall bloke, is he? No. And then after that, you think when a player's just scored a goal, he's bouncing, he's full of confidence, he thinks he's won the semi-final for, uh, for his side, and Nacho Fernandez slips him through, and he can't finish. He can't make it 2-0. It's a massive moment. It's up there with, with Hawksmith's penalty last week in terms of moments that the Atletico Monero players will look back on and think, oh my God, how did we not win the tie? And then Palmeiras equalised. We spoke last week actually about Gabriel Menino and Gabriel Varon, and we'd like to see some of these fringe players maybe a little bit more or certainly see their influence a little bit more. Gabriel Varon does so well, doesn't he? Just shrugs off his man, keeps his balance, slides it across the face. Dudu is in there for a tap-in and Palmeiras, the defending champions, are through to the to the final once again. Um, and not many times you're going to get two Libertadores finals in the same calendar year, probably. I doubt, I doubt of, that's ever going to happen, in fact. No, because of the pandemic. The final was in was in January, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, so, and then the new tournament started three weeks later in February. Yeah. That was the insanity of this year's Libertadores. Yeah. Um, and, and also the finals on the 27th of November, which is in two months' time, which is crazy. Let's talk about that later. Oli Palmeiras through, what did you make of it? I mean, Atletico Mineiro are going to be kicking themselves for a long time over this. Ooh. Because Palmeiras made a lot of mistakes in this game as well. Defensively, all at sea. The ability to give away possession in dangerous parts of the pitch, uh, quite phenomenal. Palmeiras have really worked on that, I think, in training. They've, they've decided that's the way they're going to go about it. Give Atletico Mineiro this false confidence that Palmeiras are going to capitulate. Um, yeah, they, they should have been behind by maybe two or three once uh, Vargas's goal initially went in. It should have then probably been about four uh, when Vargas makes that miss straight after. They got punished. They got punished for their sloppiness in front of goal. And that's not to say that Palmeiras didn't create chances for themselves either in that time, but it was more of a case of Hottie Palmeiras... Had a good had, chance, yeah. They had to fight to create their opportunities, whereas Minero had them put on a plate for them and gifted to them for the, for the first hour or so, basically. And then, yeah, as you say, the wonderful work of Gabriel Varon to, to create Dudu... I mean, we know, we know this competition, right? Because didn't we say you you have been championing, uh, not to give too much away, spoilers if you don't want to know the result of the other semi final. But you've been championing from Flamengo since the knockout stages and, and earlier. I've been behind Palmeiras saying they're going to go to the final. You said it's going to be those two in the final. That's the final that we've got. We both said last week we wanted to see the likes of Gabriel Varon come back in and play more. He played a key role in that. The only one that was surprising was the fact that they went with this kind of front two of Dudu yeah. and Ronnie, which doesn't give you an out-and-out centre-forward, but it did kind of work in the end. Mm -hmm. Whereas Atletico Mineiro, they insisted on still going with a 4-4-2 in a weird setup. So we removed the Diego Costa problem, but we didn't actually solve the tactical and formation problems that we thought came with having a front two of Hulk and whoever. And that was that was surprising to me because... Again, Alan Franco and Savarino. Savarino was the leading assister at one point in this tournament. Like, he's been exceptional. And the guy's on the bench for the two semifinals. I don't, I don't get what Kuk is going with there. Maybe he's just gone that little bit too eccentric. From, but then... He's gone from genius to madman suddenly. But... The difference between those two things is, like, 
a lick of paint away because Hulk puts the penalty in or, you know, Vargas scores and suddenly it's like <laughs> Cuckoo's the genius. It's a masterclass, right? yeah. He's gone from being the blazer. He's got the blazer on top sometimes, but then he's got like the, you know, the, the, the Jesus, <laughs> the, the huge Jesus uh, face underneath. So it's <laughs> he treads that line really carefully. Um, yeah, I think it, sometimes you you know, you can talk a lot about sort of formations and tactics. And, we, and we're right to, because I think a lot of it was spot on. But yeah, it's just about chances and, and the chances they, they, they failed to take. And you've got a sense, this was just such a big opportunity for Atletico Minero in such great form domestically, riding this way for them not to knock out a Palmeiras side who, who've been in really poor form of late. I mean, I think last week, did I say they've won two in nine or something? And I know mm. they've gone through, but now it's like, you know, two in 10 or three in 10. You know, it's really poor. This is across all competitions, obviously. So it's re- really poor, really, from, from Palmeiras. R- Honey just doesn't, you know, you saw him drag that strike wide. He's not quite where he was last year. Um, so this is a Palmeiras side that you can absolutely get at. And I think, as you said, Atletico Monero will be gutted that haven't knocked them out. Um, with this this Palmeiras side as well, you look at what they were doing in the group stage with the number of goals that they were scoring, you know, winning like 6-0, 5-4. Um, they weren't necessarily great defensively, but they were in- incredible in the group stage going forward. And then you look at their knockout stage form, and it really hasn't been good in terms of what? Catolica 1-0 and 1-0 uh, against Sao Paulo. They, they drew... Uh, and then they had, okay, fair enough, the 3-0 victory in the second leg. And then they haven't won, they haven't beaten Atletico Mineiro. They've had to go through with a score draw and a 0-0 on away goals. I mean, it doesn't reek of reigning champions' prowess. It it's, seems more of a, yeah, all right, just, just get through, lads, just get through. Once we get the final, we've got a chance, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I think... The fact that the final is on November the 27th, and we're recording this um, early morning on Saturday, October the 2nd. I think if the final's played a week today, Ollie, I mean, Flamengo are looking at it, or a club, maybe it was Barcelona. They're looking at it. They're looking at it. And they're thinking, I'll tell you what, this Palmeiras side, you know, we can get them. They're poor. I just, I just double-checked, Oli. They've actually won across all competitions, Palmeiras, three in the last 12. It's poor. Like, they're not mm. going to win the league in Brazil. Um, it's poor. So, but the fact is, they've got seven or eight weeks now to figure this out. They've got seven or eight weeks to think, okay, we're probably not going to win the, the league in Brazil. So let's let's rest. Let's rotate. Let's tweak a few things. Alba Ferreira must know. Yes, he's reached back-to-back finals. By the way, he's the first European to do so in charge of a Libertadores club. He must think, like, I've got, you know, I've got two months now. And if I, if I put out the same... Palmeiras side that are playing as they are against a Flamengo side that are playing as they are, then we're not, we're probably not going to win it, right? Mm. So he's got two months to figure it out. So I think the happiest man about this quite odd, you could say, calendar, because it is a, you know, you've had the semis and then for two months later of the final, yeah. it, it feels that, I mean, that, that's a You're bit lingering. of a gap. So it, it, yeah, it, it's, quite a, it's quite a way off. Um, 14 but, games in the Brazilian league between now in the final 14 wow wow and you know the the last game before the final is against atletico Mineiro. okay it's like it's a shame that wasn't the final because you could have had back to back in a league battle but yeah 14 games that is and it's going to be the same maybe for if flamengo got through against barcelona which we'll talk about in a moment but that is a lot of football and a lot of games that you need to try and manage your priorities in quite a lot. I think it's going to be very difficult, actually, for Abel Ferreira to work out. Like, 
because there might now be an expectation with such a long gap before the final to really go gung-ho in the league as well. Like, well, right, you've booked your place. Now you've got two and a bit months to crack on and sort us out and get us in the uh, get us back in the title fight once again, which, you know, probably isn't exactly going to happen. As I think in the arrow so far ahead. But there's still maybe Brazilian pressure, fan pressure to do that. And, mm. you know, these clubs make rash decisions with their managers very quickly. I'm not saying Abel Ferreira is going to lose his job before the final. <laughs> like, that would be insane, uh, but wouldn't be the most insane thing that we've ever seen in <laughs> in South American football. But at least to secure second spot or a, or a top four by then, he still needs to make sure he gets that job done. So there might be rotation, but they might have to go back to playing a, a full set starting eleven in the league for at least the first eight, nine games of this run. Yeah, and I think they'll want to finish best of the rest. I mean, listen, there's still a lot of football to be played in, you know, in the in the uh, in Brazil. But Palmeiras are the, I think that yeah, they're eight points. Just looking at it now, they're eight points off Atlético Mineiro at the top. Flamengo are the only side probably that could catch them maybe because they've got a couple of games in hand that would take them to within about five points. So yeah, there's still a long way to go. But um, yeah, I, I think, um, listen, I mean, back-to-back finals for Abel Ferreira. I, the, the statistic I always like and I, I talk about so much is that no side has defended the trophy since Boca in 2001. And I say it so much because I think it's emblematic of how good and how competitive the Libertadores is, right? Because, mm. you know, in 20 years, no side has managed to have that kind of dominance, have that kind of consistency. And Palmeiras have got a chance to do that. It will be it will be awesome. Um, so, yeah, Palmeiras through to the final. <laughs> Should we talk about... Who are they facing? Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> the Barcelona nil, Flamengo 2. Oh. I mean, Barcelona, the fact they haven't scored in the semi-final has got to be so frustrating for them. Because over two legs, Ollie, they had so many chances. Listen, they've lost 4-0 on aggregate. So I'm not going to claim that they deserve to go through anything like that. They obviously didn't. They were battered, basically. <laughs> but at the same time, they, they did have chances, right? So it's, it's kind of looking back on it. I mean, Mastriani, I ba- doubt he's sleeping for a few, a few nights because he's had so many chances over the two legs. Bruno Henrique scores a, a brace as he did... In the first leg, how about this for a, st- for a statistic? Only four players in Libertadores history have scored four goals over the course of a semi-final, right? Mm-hmm. And the first player to do it was in 1963 for Santos, and his name was Pele. So only four players have done it. So Bruno Enrique with in good company. I think Miguel Borja was one of the others, and someone else as well. So Bruno Enrique back to his best, scores a couple of goals, um, really nice team goals as well. I wanted to ask you before we sort of dissect the the game a little bit. I just had a question. That front four of Flamengo, Oli, Gabi goal, Deir Escaeta, Everton Hiberto, Buda Henrique. If you take that four, where does it slot in in terms of quality in the European leagues? You Ooh. know, can you put that top four in a mid-table La Liga side? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. I think you could... You could take a Betis or a Villarreal, um, I think, to put it in other European context. Fiorentina in Italy. I think you could probably... Yeah, okay. You know, uh, you could probably put it around that park. Premier League... I say it as a a four as well, because it is a four, It is a four, yeah. They're they're so fluid and, yeah, the movement. They all know when to one drops off, the other one needs to fill in. I mean, it does go... Back to that kind of Man City at their at their kind of peak 
what six it's, seven it's years comparable. ago there were no, there were a comparable. number of in the in the way it works i'm not necessarily going to say that it is as high quality in terms of you be able to put them into a man city side the flamengo players into a man city side at this point or previously um and i don't think it would do enough in uh, the top third of any major league in european football maybe the bundesliga actually just because i don't really rate it as a league i'm gonna put it out <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> don't think it's any good uh or france monaco sure but give give Monaco that front four. That'd be a fun, fun little watch. Um, yeah, Bruno Enrique, like the oh. the giant that has been just a little dormant in this competition, coming good at this point. And can we just say, I think arguably his best moment of that game isn't the two goals, although the first one as well is so well taken. I loved his little nod down that. Uh, that set up the effort for Pereira where yeah okay because everybody's expecting then that ball comes in oh Bruno Enrique tries to get his head onto it and tries to guide it towards goal and his awareness of knowing exactly where the space is that it's a difficult position to actually get that sort of header with the ball uh, the ball's flight to test the keeper and it is a perfect knockdown <laughs> into Pereira's path uh, Pereira's path excuse me and um and I think that kind of sums it up because he is a man that can do everything. I know you've been pushing the Gabri Barbosa, Gabi goal is the all-round player, but Bruno Enrique really is. He really is. He can finish. He can provide. He's tall enough in the air. He's strong enough on the ball. He's very complete. It's, it's such a shame that he isn't 25 years old because this is a... This feels like Flamengo are going to go back-to-back more than it's Palmeiras going back-to-back. Do you know what I mean? Like, You mean Flamengo win it in 2021 yeah, or 2022? They, yeah, if, it feels more like we're watching yeah. a Flamengo era of dominance. If Palmeiras win it this year, I wouldn't say this is the start of a dynasty. If Flamengo win it, I do. Because of how good that front four looks. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and it's the same... It's the same squad. It's the same side. It's 2019. It's just that Gabby Gold's a bit better. Bruni Henrique's back to his best. I think Dare Esquester's a bit better. Everton Ibera's still at his level. None of them are too old. You know, the rest of the team's pretty much, just, apart from, obviously, they lost Pablo Marie. But apart from that, you're splitting hairs, really. Gerson or Pereira. Like, it's, it's you know, so it's the same It's the same side as, as the one that um, we saw in 2019. It's, it's slightly more mature now. And... um. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's a one-off final. It's 90 minutes. Anything can happen, of course, and it's, it's in two months' time as well. But I do agree that if Flamengo were to win it and win it two, twice in three years, I mean, and, and could keep, you know, didn't lose any of that front four, let's say, mm-hmm. um, then, yeah, I d- you know, I don't see why they don't go on if they can keep the squad and win sort of three and five or, or you know, something like that. So They have yeah. got 17 games before the final. That is crazy <laughs> that's a lot of game time for Patino, isn't it 17 games because they have the Copa do Brazil as well uh, I guess Atletico Paranaense the semi-finals seven weeks yeah I think it's eight weeks till the final yeah that's hilarious in a massive amount of football which again you know we, we spoke about the league standings a moment ago and that Flamengo are fourth and Bragantino finalists of the Sudamericana um, two points off them Corinthians as well Inter they're all nipping at Flamengo's heels. They need to make sure they finish the league campaign on point. So again, I don't think either of these two sides, for various reasons, can really 
rest on. Well, we're in a Libertadores final. That'll be the uh, thing that gets us through. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ollie. I don't know if you're looking at the league now, but if Flamengo win their two games in hand, they'd be about five points off Atletico Mineiro, something like that. Uh, so, you know, yeah. within... I know that's a lot of... That's a, a hypothetical in there, but if they did do that, five points with, you know... 15 games to go. I mean, that Jesus, they can catch them. So, so they'll still be looking at the league. I would have thought. I mean, it um, could be a, it could be the, the triple. Yeah. It could, it could be a Copa do Brazil, sure, a, a Libertadores, and, and then we walk, we walk away, and we say this is the best in South American football, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, I'll tell you what they've got now. In Renato Gaucho, they've got a man that has won fifty-five-zero. Libertadores matches. No other manager in the history of the competition has done that. He reached the final with Fluminense in 2008 and lost. He reached the final with Gremio in 2017 and won it. Not to mention, by the way, the string of semis around that time with Gremio as well. And he's now reached the final with Flamengo in 2021. And he won it as a player in, in 83, something like that. I mean, that is an incredible record. For Renato Gaucho. And I don't think he's... So, he must be early 50s or something, Oli. So I don't think he's... This isn't the wise old South American sage. This is a man that's still got a decade left in his pomp. Um, Six, 59 years old. I mean, he's... Oh, is he 59? Okay, okay. So he's got five years left. But like all like all South American centre forwards, you know, that means 59? he's basically young, doesn't Jesus, it? Jesus, it doesn't look 59, yeah. I know. Well, when you're, like... when you're succeeding at that sort of level, the... There's not as many creases coming through the face because it's all coming quite easy for him, I think. You know, Gremio was just... And he a... just suits Flamengo. Yeah. He's arrogant. And he backs himself. <laughs> and he's just like... He just suits Flamengo, so... Um, I'm disappointed he didn't at... hold out for the draw just for my storyline of 50 wins mm. coming in the final. I think that... Mm. He's done football a disservice there, to be honest, as a, yeah. as a coach and as a manager. But, I mean, just quickly on Barcelona, you mentioned it. They had chances. Everything that was good came down that Flamengo right. And that's the problem. That is still the problem with Isla. I still don't think he's good enough compared to everybody else in that starting eleven right now. Mm. That's where Barcelona's chances came. I mean, even Pineda was able to get forward and, and all of them were the efforts that they had, particularly in the first half, were from that just about four yards from the top left edge of the six-yard box. All the same angle, goalkeeper able to kind of close down and narrow the gap, which is obviously very useful, not going to be beaten at a near post. But whoever it was, whether it was uh, whether it was Pineda, whether it was Mastriani, whether it was Martinez, it was all in that section of the field. And if there's one place where Palmeiras can affect, and we'll do a, a proper preview and everything uh, for the Definitely. final later on, because things will change in two months, I and mean, it probably won't be Renato Gaucho in charge or Abel Ferreira. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, Georgia Jesus will be back. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take over now. I'll just step in, shall I? I know how to do this bit. Um, but yeah, so. There's there's still a worry there because it wasn't it was it was it was dominant still from Flamengo but there were it could have been a lot more difficult if Barcelona had just taken a couple of the chances that came to them in that first 45 minutes second half I think they kind of dropped off and obviously when the second goal goes in that's you completely done and dusted um, are you upset at all I mean we've discussed it a lot but now it is. Because we've been vindicated in our predictions, I'm almost okay with it being Palmeiras against Flamengo. Because if it was going to yeah, be an I mean, all-Brazilian listen... side, a Brazilian final, you'd want it to be the one that you predicted going into the knockout stage, right? I mean, listen, Ollie, in the preview pod that we'll do um, at some point in November and have a real deep dive in the two teams, there's going to be quite a substantial 
rummage through the archives from Windsor just to look at all the predictions in previous pods. And, you know, I'll put together a nice little package with the nostalgic heart music just so we can exactly see how Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast did predict this on numerous occasions. Um, I, I mean, listen, it, you know, they're, they're the two, you know, Flamengo and Palmeiras, you know, the two huge sides. We didn't exactly, you know, predict uh, Alianza Lima, um, you know, uh, you know, final. So yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> that you know they're bold. two big sides. They were always going to be in the in the mixer, weren't they? So yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, it should be a cracking. I was going to say it should be a cracking final. If Flamengo win, they're not winning it one nil. No, they're winning it four two, three one, something like that. So I think Flamengo will concede in that final. But I mean, how do you stop that front four from scoring? Like, how do you stop that front mm. four? No one's done it. So. So I don't see how, and you know, but but again, it's it's in two months' time, and you look at it now, and you think Bruno Enrique absolutely flying, Gabby Goal's got ten goals, and and you think, wow, but mate, it only takes one injury, Gabby Goal gets a knock, and suddenly that front four looks very very different. Bruno Enrique gets a knock, and yes, Vitinho can come in; he's not quite the same player. So I think the main thing is 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 do that front four go into the final fit and confident and scoring goals, and then how much does um. You know, how much does Renato Gaucho in the last two or three games of the Brazilian league season prior to the final, how much does he rest? How much does he rotate? Are they in the thick of a title race then? Mm. Probably. So it, it's it, it's going to be really interesting. I'm already looking forward to the preview pod. We'll try and make it a real a real deep dive, Ollie. We'll look back on the history. We'll get a, get a couple of different perspectives on from the different players. And we've got sort of two months to, to figure out. So, yeah. Yeah, 14, be... 14 and 17 games respectively. There's a lot that can change in those only takes yeah. one nibble. You know, even going into those last games before the final, you know, Atletico Mineiro, th- there's going to be some resentment that yeah. they're flying off to Uruguay. We're going to have fans in the stands. Anybody that saw the Copa Sudamericana uh, semi-final when in, in Uruguay at that stadium with Peñarol, that was unbelievable to see. And, and again, you know, Brazilian fans haven't made it back into those stands yet for the Libertadores games. And that's been, uh, that's been a slight detriment to the semi-final. So it is great that I think we are going to have a pretty full house whether there'll be many there or not a different question about who can travel and whether there's the uh the swell of they'll uptake. make it work you know they'll make it work yeah i think now the fans are back in and sort of people start to make you know their peace with things coming back to normality i think like, and visually you've got to you know i know health is the most important thing clearly but like visually you've got to have a libertadores final with with with, with fans in the ground so it's mate yeah, it's really three exciting. of three of those last four games before the final for Flamengo. By the way, away at Sao Paulo, at home to Corinthians, mm-hmm. away at Inter. If you're fighting on all fronts, those are games that are gonna be big, especially with Corinthians and Inter. If you have slipped up and they've been able to stay on your heels, those are games you can't afford to lose going into. There might not be as much of an opportunity to rotate in those in that last two weeks, maybe. It's funny because what Renato Gaucho, what he won't want is for them to be, you know, level on points or something with Atletico Mineiro going into those last two or three games. And that's the most likely outcome. What he'll want is to be like five points clear or maybe like seven points behind. So he's thinking, okay, we can't win the league, but we'll win the Copa de Brazil, we'll win the Libertadores and I'm a hero, which, you know, would would make him so. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as it unfolds. Um Mad Ollie, another 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 season's kind of flashed by, and we're at the final stage. Well, uh, you, I mean, you've said, I think I can't remember if it's been on pod or off pod, but certainly off pod. 
there's been a stick of grand on each of these two teams and you're printing money. Hey, I sent I sent WhatsApps to so many people saying uh, this was when Flamengo were three to one and Palmeiras were six to one to win it. And I said, back both. There is absolutely no way that one of these two sides doesn't win the trophy. And that's not me being super clever. That's they're the two best sides. Maybe we had Atletico Monero in the, you know, it's not clever. It's just that those odds were wrong. And someone from Bet365 needs to take a long, hard look at themselves because they didn't do their homework and they need to be sacked, quite frankly, Mr. Wilson, because Palmeiras at six to one to win the trophy. This was only like six weeks ago. was ridiculous. It was, a, it was incorrect. Um, so yeah, uh, what can you say? That's it. That's the, <laughs> that's the final. You know what? Just while it's in my head, I was thinking about the final for 2022. And because the World Cup starts mid-November, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, international sides, I was reading an article about this, actually. So international sides will want all their players from the start of November. So the Euro League seasons are going to be um, start early August. So it'll be August, September, October, three kind of jam-packed months with lots of midweek fixtures to get ahead basically before that six-week interlude for the Qatar World Cup. And it just made me think as well, okay, they're going to have to play the Libertadores final in kind of mid-October maybe. Yeah, they're going to have to. Even then, it's... Yeah. Well, at least we won't have to wait so long. Mm -hmm. Although, it's going to ruin our deep dive for a preview pod next year. That's the trouble. We're we're not going to have seven weeks to prepare for the preview pod. That... If the pod's pod's still rumbling on by then. And they haven't... I think they haven't thought about that when they've thought about this Qatar World Cup, how it's affecting podcasters and particularly mm. the uh, the only English language Libertadores podcast dedicated to the greatest tournament on the continental stage of South America. And that is their, to their detriment and maybe to ours as well. No, it doesn't, yeah.